Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you came here and joined us here for worship this morning. And um, I just kind of want to lift up a uh, for everybody listening online who's not able to be here this morning because of sickness. Thank you for tuning in with us. And uh, I'm not really feeling too hot myself. So uh, you guys pray for me as we go through this. But um, we've been in a now four-week series on the book of Jonah. And um, what we've said was from the very beginning was that we wanted this series to show um, that got, show, to show God's great love and relentless pursuit of sinful people. Um, from renegade cities to rebellious prophets, nobody is beyond God's reach. And it, it just amazes me how, you know, I've had people reach out to me over the last couple of weeks and just thanking me for, for some encouragement. But um, I kind of wonder, do we do, like we're going to look at today a little bit, do we really feel gracious toward the things, one, that God's done for us, but also gracious toward the things that he's done for people around us. And what I'm going to do today is, and it's the title of this sermon, and it's, it's called this, it's called Killing Comfort. Because sometimes I think we get too comfortable. We, we're, we're complacent. We're afraid to move forward. We're afraid to celebrate life change. Much like we're going to see Jonah today. But to kind of catch us up with the story not like, I mean, if you grew up in, in, in the South or drove by a church or your grandmother went to church, you know the story of Jonah, right? So there's not a lot of catching up we have to do, but just kind of to go along with what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Jonah was a prophet called by God, and all a prophet is is a messenger. He, he, he delivered a message to people. Uh, but he was, he was called by God to go to a, to a city called Nineveh. And Nineveh was full of Assyrian people who pretty much everyone else in the world were enemies to. <laughs> And they were so so bad people. There was there was real hatred that was built up, real hatred built up. I mean, you had when they when they would capture their enemies, they would not only skin their heads, but they would dismember them. They would torture them. There was great hatred around the world for the Assyrian people. And here's a Jonah, the prophet, called to go deliver a message to these people. And what he de- what he decides to do is he decides to run, and he buys this ticket, a ticket to Tarshish. I always wonder if I'm going to say that right. A ticket to Tarshish, okay? And he, he, he tries to run away from God, but God puts a storm in the way. And the question is, why would God put his life in danger? And I, I think sometimes we look at those kind of things wrong, because what we said was, was that the storms in life, just much like Jonah, is though terrifying and costly, is an, actually an act of God's grace to get us back on course with the way God wants, the direction God wants us to go in. So there's two things you can ask about. Sometimes, well, there's three things, really. Other people can cause storms in your life. Your dumb decisions can cause storms in your life. But lastly, I think a lot of times we miss out on the fact that God oftentimes puts storms in our lives to redirect us. Right? So the storm comes, and people on the, he's on the boat with start freaking out, right? So they start throwing stuff overboard. They're praying to their gods. The captain of the ship comes down and asks Jonah, why are you sleeping at a time like this? Get up and help us. And, but Jonah understood that the storm was there because God was trying to get to him. So he goes up, he goes up and he's talking to these guys on the boat saying, listen, I'm, I'm the reason I'm running from God. And they're like, why would you do that? You know, cause us this, you know. But he, he, says, he says, why don't you throw me overboard? Why don't you throw me overboard? Which is just really, if you think about it, and like if it was me and you and we're thrown over into a sea that is raging because of a storm, that's pretty much saying death. But see, God arranged for a, a big fish to swallow up Jonah. 
And Jonah's at the deepest, farthest point that he could ever go in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the sea. And he begins to pray. He, he begins to praise God for his mercies and faithfulness and proclaiming that he is the only, only salvation can come through, this, through his God. And here's the thing, God heard him. And what we said was, was that we can run to the far, the far reaches of the earth and still be made, and he still is just as close as ever. No matter how far you get as a child of God, God is always near enough to hear your prayer and to rescue you. Because in reality, that well was deliverance from death. When he goes on, you know, he prays his prayer, God heard his prayer. And last week we talked about how the, the, the fish swallowed him up, swallowed him, he spit him out on the ground, and he was getting a second chance. A second chance, and we love second chances, right? Like we love, like, you know, Zane sometimes likes to um, exit a game if he's losing real bad and start it all over again on his Xbox. I did that a lot too when I was using, losing at Duck Hunt. I would just turn it off and turn it back on real quick, okay? So we restart it, get a second chance, and here's his second chance to do what God has called him to. The, the, the fish swallowed him up, spit him out just right next to where he needed to be. And what we said was second chances are evidence of God's persistent calling and his patient love toward his people. Like he's waiting for you. He's drawing you. He's loving love. So he goes and he, he delivers the message to, to, the, uh, to, to, the, to the Ninevites. And he, he said, he, it, it says that they turned and they repented of their ways. Which is what the whole deal was all about to begin with, right? Getting, to get Nineveh to turn from their wicked ways and follow God. So he delivers an eight-word message, and that, that happens. But here's the thing about Jonah. is Although Jonah loved the second chance he got, he's not a big fan of Nineveh getting a second chance. Isn't it crazy how you can be delivered from the same spot that God's called you to go minister to, and yet you get mad when God does what he said he was going to do. Jonah loved the second chance when it was for him, but not for the city of Nineveh. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. So here's the people have repented, and this is where we're picking up Jonah 4, starting in verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and the change of plans was is that God changed his mind about destroying Jonah destroying Nineveh because Nineveh repented, right? So this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. How, how many of y'all have ever complained to the Lord and it worked out good? Just saying. Uh, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back, to turn back from destroying people. And so, so let me read one more verse. Verse 3. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And so here's, here's what I want you to think about for a second. How many of us have found ourselves in that same place as Jonah? Where... We're like, God, you've been so gracious to me. And then Betty over here, who lives her life way over there, God does something for her. And you're like, oh God, I can't believe you did that for her. Why, why would you do that for me? I mean, I got stuff I need to get done. But you're over here blessing Betty, and I'm just over here doing miserable as myself. 
I mean, I know I've been, I have this over here, you've done this for me, but look at what Betty's doing. I mean, she's, she's got that job promotion, and I didn't get it, and I've been working my butt off for it, and here you blessed her, and here I am trying to worship you in church, and here she is over here, got that promotion. Now she gets a raise, and I'm still down here in the $25,000 a year job, or less. <laughs> Y'all get what I'm saying, though? Like, we, we're there. Like, we look at Jonah and go, Jonah, you are so terrible. You are so terrible at this, Jonah. Like, you're such a bad dude. Can you get your heart right, but we're doing it every day. We do it every day. We look at people who we think should be punished at God's blessing, and we're like, I don't understand God. And we start getting mad at God, and we wonder, am I, am I wrong? And I'm going to tell you right now, if that's your heart, then you're wrong. We should celebrate stuff like that. Jonah should have celebrated a whole city. We'll find out here in a minute, like 120,000 people turning their lives around to Christ, to God. But listen to how God responds here in verse 4. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you to be mad? Like he's asking this to get Jonah's attention because, like I said a little bit ago, like it's like God saying, I delivered you from the same space that these people were in, and you're so ungrateful, and you can't celebrate these other people's lives being changed because of you were there too. You were just as bad, if not a little worse, because you knew how good I was, and you still decided to run. You're running away from the, be the best for your life. You and them both are running away from what I had for you, which would have, which would have blew your mind. Anything you would have expected, it would be like a hundred times better. You were in the same spot they were, and you're still angry that I, I changed my mind about saving them because they repented. Listen to what happens next. Jonah 4, 5, and 6 says this. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its, its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So hold on a minute. Here is Jonah, once again, going outside of the place God has called him into. First time he was running from going there, and now he's running out of the very place that God's called him to, where he just witnessed a miracle happen. And how many of us, we pray for a miracle to happen in our life, that God give us some mercy and some grace, and when he does, we run from the very thing he blessed us with. The very thing he said that he had promised that he would do in your life, he's done that, and now you're running from it getting outside of what he's called you to. But here's the crazy thing. He made himself a shelter for his own comfort. It's so much so that even God, because he's a good, good father, arranged for a leafy plant to grow and give him shade. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. God still provides when we are outside of his call. God will still provide for his child even when we're outside of his call. But there's always a purpose. Because he doesn't agree with what you're doing. But he's, he's, he's blessing Jonah right here for a moment. Because there's a point coming that he's wanting to make with Jonah. 
God still provides when we're outside his call. Jonah tries to find comfort outside of God's will. Like it even says that he was grateful for the plant because he got comfortable. But he wasn't grateful for a whole city being saved. So God's going to have to, guess what? Kill his comfort a little bit. Jonah 4, 7 through 8. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant. So that, it would, so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind. You notice how much God arranged here to get Jonah's attention? As soon as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until, it grew, until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Now, can you, have you ever been in those moments where you feel like God just beating you up? Maybe it's God getting your attention. Maybe it's like this. If you take a note, you can write this. God has lovingly put you in a situation and places where your comfort and desires are pressed. God has lovingly put you in a situation and places where your comfort and desires are pressed. See, just like Jonah, God is trying to kill our comfort. To get us to the bigger picture of salvation. See, oftentimes in the church world, we talk about how our salvation is a personal salvation, which I get that it is. He's not he, God, but even though it's personal, it's never meant to be private. Never. Our personal relationship with Christ is never meant to be private. And when we become, make it private, God is going to push our bounds. Like he's doing Jonah here. Like, you're not where I want you. You were supposed to be in the city still. Celebrating with them. So I'm going to push your comfort zone. I'm going to make your life a little bit miserable right here. So that I can get you back on track. He's going to press that. He's gonna, like, and so it's also, you can think about this. And this is something just for us to think about. It's free. You don't have to pay me for it. Okay. God will oftentimes provide a well for your deliverance, but provide a worm to remove you from your complacency. God will oftentimes provide a well or a big fish to get you out of the mess, but when you start getting to get complacent where you are, he'll provide a worm, something to get you a little itchy to get you out of there. And here's why. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. So that we might conform to his plan for our lives. Because sitting outside the city, being, in the, being on the ship, selling Tarshish was not God's plan for Jonah's life, nor is it his plan for your life. You, ha- you are called on purpose for a purpose. And anything that goes outside of what God has designed you to do and to be is wrong. And he's going to make you so uncomfortable. He's going to put a marble in your mattress to get you to move. To get you uncomfortable. Let's finish out the story here. Jonah 4, starting in verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, here's it, here it is again. Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. Like, I would almost be scared to talk to God this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Like I remember like going back to uh, like if you re- if you read the book uh, uh, of Job and Job begins to question God a little bit. God actually looks at like says to him, dress for action like a man. And that's right when he goes into where were you when I formed the rock. But it says dress for action like a man or a.k.a. put a cup on because I'm about to throw down. Get your boxing gloves on. Like I, this, this would scare me to death. Verse 10. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And that's where the chapter ends. See, this is what's weird about the story is most stories that you hear in the Bible, they always have that kind of good end to it. Like Jesus dies on the cross. Oh, man, that kind of sucks. But then he rose and gave us victory. You know, or like there's always that bow at the end of each story. And here it's just kind of like we don't know what happened to Jonah. We don't know if he repented and went back into the city. We, we, we don't know. I th- and I think, it's in, I think this can almost be intentional. Because this is where we find a lot of ourselves. And what you decide to do from this moment forward will decide how this story ends. Because he's called you much like he's called Jonah. To reach a city, to reach a people, to reach those around you and celebrate those wins. But this, sto- this story shows me, even though it doesn't have a good ending here where we celebrate something, here's what it does tell us about God in relationship to Jonah. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God is persistent, or you can say relentless, in his pursuit of his children. No matter how many times Jonah went astray in his call, God still chased him down. It was a heart issue, and God was cared about the heart of his children. You see, I've, sometimes I'm about to read a passage, and it's a, one of those well-known passages. There's actually pictures and coffee mugs with some of this stuff on it, okay? But sometimes I think we get a little confused because a lot of times this passage, this, this story that I'm about to look at, it's, it's relate like people, the church has oftentimes just related it to Law, what the church considers lost people who are far from God, who aren't believers in Jesus. But in reality, I think this story involves us because we are the sheep. And he is the shepherd, right? We're a part of his flock. And when one of us strays, he's going to chase us down. That's why Luke 15, starting in verse 3, says this. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go search for the one, go search for the Jonah? Go search for the Derek and the Christy and the Blake and the Chris? When I search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he, when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he, he, will, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to, and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have stayed away. Like, you're the one that he's searching for. 
He is pursuing you no matter where you are on this journey. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, while you're a messenger of his, or you're just that's a straight, or you're someone who who just needs to know the love and the power of God. He is chasing after you. You're the one outside of the city. You're the Jonah that is trying to find. That discomfort that you've been feeling in your life, that's God working in you for you to know that he wants you to be a part of his family. See, he left the comfort of heaven to find you, the one lost sheep. You're his and you don't even know it yet. So the question becomes, Derek, how do you know this? And as we wrap this up, I'm going to read one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And it describes how he goes and finds the lost sheep. And it starts off saying this. Who believes what we have heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant, and a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He, looked, he was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him, people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is, it was our pains he carried. Our disfigurements. All the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that, he, that, that, that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We are like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own things, gone our own ways, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. He was beaten and he was tortured, but he didn't say a word like a lamb taken to slaughter and like a sheep being sheared. He took it all in silence. Justice miscarried. He was led off. And, and did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought of his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of the people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, is what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The, the, the plan was that he, he'd give himself as an offering for the sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more souls. He'll, and God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of the terrible travail of souls, he'll see that it was worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burdens of their sins. Therefore, I will, re will reward him extravagantly with the best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and he didn't flinch. I love that. Because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest. He, looked, he took on his own shoulders the sins of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. That is what Jesus did for you to find you. That's the grace that was been given to you. That was a prophecy said about Jesus years and years and years, years before he was even born. But that gives a great picture of what he did to find you. 
outside of the city, outside of, in the deepest parts of the well, he reached you. His grace reached you. He did this in pursuit of you, that you can live free this morning. Those things that you feel are binding you down, those are, those are only set ups for a set, a set out. No matter what part of this journey you're on, rather you're part of a renegade city far from God or a rebellious prophet or a believer, there is freedom to be found in, in, in a life of Jesus. See, about every day I get to hear stories and they don't know there's these type of stories, but every day I get to hear stories of people who are in bondage. in one way or the other. Rather it be students that I work with, teachers that are there, having conversations with them. It's what I so wish that they knew is the freedom that is found in this. See, I think sometimes we forget as churchgoers that we forget where we come from. We forget that we're just like this person. But here's the thing. They don't, they don't realize that this is what they're looking for. So they're going to try to find it in any way they can. If we just tell them there's freedom from all this. That we don't, you don't have to live the same lifestyle as everyone else is around you. You can be something different. wonder what would happen if a group of people took serious the call, the same call that God gave to Jonah, and we quit running from it, and we embrace the call, even as messy as it can be, what could happen in South Austin? What could happen in Knox? What could happen in Tennessee? What could happen in the world? If a group of people took serious the call to reach Nineveh. So what's your Nineveh? What is God calling you to? I could tell you some crazy stories from my day-to-day life. I mean, I heard a crazy, crazy story standing out in the breezeway out here. What could we do if we really decided that we wanted to make some real difference in South Austin? What if we decide to be the church where we live, work, and play for real and quit being in the runaway? What if I lose my job? If If you get fired for that, then so be it. And that's coming from somebody that's like, man, I also want to keep my job. <laughs> you know? But what if we really took the, took the time to say, you know what? I, I'm free I'm free because of the suffering that Christ went through in my life, in his life. Now I'm free. Now it's not going to be private to me anymore. I'm going to share it to the end. What could this city look like? What could South Knoxville look like? Dominion look like? What could South Old Middle School look like? These places wherever you work, what could they look like if we decided to quit being the runaway, to quit being the rebellious prophet, and we charge?
hell, we charged Nineveh, Nineveh with a water pistol. So God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come here and worship you this morning. And I just pray that you break our hearts for what breaks yours. May our story don't not end like Jonah's where we leave mad about what you're doing. But we leave this world rejoicing, giving our, our full selves, as we say around here sometimes, as we pour ourselves out for the call of the gospel. May we attack Nineveh with your word and with your, with your spirit, God. So I pray for our hearts, our hearts break for what breaks yours. I pray all this in your name.